Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. So for the past few weeks, we've been talking about how to be champions, how to win at life. And the biggest truth about that, if you haven't realized, is that we only get one chance in life to be champions. Because we only get to live once. And, and living like a champion is something that we should all aspire to. It's something that we should all want. But here's the thing. We can't just wish it. We need to be able to dedicate our life fully to it in order to achieve it. And to be a champion in life, one of the things that we've been saying throughout the weeks is that we need to be able to learn from others who have been champions in their life. In fact, that is one of the reasons we have the Bible. That is one of the reasons God left us the Bible so that we would learn from the men and women and their stories and their experiences so that we can learn to know what to do in specific situations. So th through the past few weeks, we've learned from David's 30 mighty men. We've learned from the Apostle Paul. We've learned from Esther and Mordecai. Last week, we learned from Samson the importance of guarding our integrity. And what we're going to do today is that we're going to learn our last principle of success from four Hebrew men. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And you may be saying, Daniel, I know, but the other three, I don't. Well, it's because I just gave you their least popular name. But from these four young Hebrew men, we're going to learn that in order to be a champion, to be successful in life, we need commitment. Oh, I, I heard two amens. I wasn't expecting to hear one amen. Because we don't like commitment. We are a culture that it is against commitment. Let me tell you, let me define what commitment is just so that we're on the same page. Commitment is to see something through all the way. Here it goes. Whatever the cost. Commitment is to see something through to say, okay, I committed to this marriage and I'm going to see it through. I committed to this church. I'm going to see it through. I committed to this job. I'm going to see it through. I committed to this friendship. I'm going to see it through no matter the cost. Let me tell you something, because I know we don't like commitment. Commitment is one of those dirty words, right? It's, it's it, another one that we don't like is discipline. But let me tell you how important commitment is. Okay, this is tweetable. Nothing shapes your life like the commitments you make and the ones you don't. Nothing, nothing shapes your life like the commitments you make and the ones you break. You made a commitment in marriage one day and it was a poor commitment, but you made it. And it shaped your life. You made a commitment to the Lord one day, and it shaped your life for good. But we've also broken commitments that have shaped our life. 
We've broken relationships. We've broken unions. We've broken community. Abraham Lincoln said the following. I think they'll put it up here in the screen. In the screen. Commitment is what transforms a promise into a reality. Commitment is what takes just a desire and makes it life. W.H. Murray said the following. Commitment leads you to do everything possible. It leads you to dream that you can do it. And it takes you to start something new. Somebody said that if you're willing, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. That when you're committed to something, you're going to find a way. You're going to make a way. But when there's no commitment, what you'll find is an excuse. Did you know that the one character quality that has changed the most in the past 20 years has been commitment? It's the one quality in our culture that we don't see as much. And here's why. We don't like to be tied down to anything. We change jobs so easily, right? They tell us what to do. And by the way, don't forget, they're paying you to tell you what to do. And you don't like it. And what do you do? You quit. Divorce is at an all-time high. Now, let me tell you something. If you're not a Christian, commitment is an option to you. But if you're a Christian, commitment is not an option. A Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, without commitment is an oxymoron. Not a moron, an oxymoron. Although sometimes as Christians, we can be morons, but, but that's not what I'm talking about today. A Christian without commitment is a contradiction. Let me tell you something, okay? And, and, and we know this, but we just kind of forget it. The Christian life doesn't work without total commitment. The reason some people go to church, but nothing changes, is because that's all they do. They go. There's no commitment in their life. It's sort of an activity that they do on Sundays, but then Monday through Saturday, there's no reflection of that desire, of that commitment, quote-unquote, that they do on Sundays. The Christian life is not a bunch of creeds or a bunch of verses. It is a lifestyle. It is a way of living, a manner of living that demands commitment. And God says that we, need to, that, 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 that we need to deny ourselves daily. Pick up our cross daily. And what? Follow him. And he, he can ask this because he gave us the example of commitment. Can I show you God's commitment? You, you, you know this verse, John 3, 16. You've probably seen it in a football game or somewhere. Um, but look at what it says. It says, for God so loved the world... That what did he do? He gave, listen to this, his one and only son. It's not like he had extra sons to spare and he said, I'll give you one. You know, this song, Relentless, I know sometimes we have a problem with the name. Um, I don't have a problem with it because Relentless is not in a negative way. But Relentless speaks about the way we see things. And, and I mean... Wouldn't you consider giving your one and only son kind of reckless? Right? 
kind of like, what's the point? But the Bible tells us in Ephesians that Jesus, being the son of God and being like God himself, did not cling on to that, but that he humbled himself, took on the shape of a human being, and died as a slave. To me, in my mind, that is reckless. Who leaves their throne? Who leaves their glory? Who leaves um, everything for you and me that are broken? And sometimes we don't even want Jesus. But he was so committed. God was so committed to us that he gave the best he had, his one and only son. Because listen, love is to commit. Love is commitment. If we say we love the Lord, we ought to commit to him. Because God loved us, he committed to us, and he gave what we needed but we couldn't afford. His son. And love for Christ does not mean merely feelings or affection, but a commitment to follow him every day and all the way. Now, we tend to think of commitment as something that doesn't require sacrifices. We, we, we commit till it gets hard. We commit until it's uncomfortable. We go to the gym as long as it's easy. We volunteer as long as it's convenient. Commitment will always require a sacrifice. That's why God gave his son, because it always requires a sacrifice. Now, we, we are really good at lying. Did you know that? You know, we're really good liars. And you know who we lie to the most? Ourselves. And we tend to tell ourselves that we're more committed than we actually are. Oh, I'm committed. I go to church on Sunday if it's not too hot or not too cold. I'm committed. I love my wife if she doesn't give me attitude and she has my dinner. I'm committed. I go to the gym if I'm not too tired and there isn't too many people. And, and, and here's, here's what we confuse. Here's what we confuse. We confuse commitment with involvement. And we think that because we're involved, we're committed. Can I illustrate the difference between commitment and involvement? A chicken and a pig were walking down the street one day. And they came across a store that said, help needed, bacon and eggs wanted. So the chicken told the pig, hey, we could do something about it. What if we go help? The pig looked at the chicken and he said, hey, no, 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 no. Because for you to give the eggs, is a, it, it, it's an involvement. But for me, it takes commitment. <laughs> so here's the lesson. Don't be a chicken. Be like the pig. God doesn't want our leftovers. He doesn't want just some of it. He wants the whole bacon. He wants all of you. There's supposed to be an aroma that comes from our following Christ. And one of my favorite aromas is bacon. So what we're going to do today is that we're going to learn from these four young Hebrew men how to be committed champions. Because if you want to be a champion... One of the things you're going to need to do and be is a committed person. Now, let me give you a little bit of context about these four young Hebrew men. Um, the story takes place about 600 years before Jesus was born. 
and King Nebuchadnezzar conquers the city of Jerusalem and, and, and he takes to Babylon some of the temple's furnishings. But he doesn't just take some of the temple's gold and furnishings. He also takes along with him some of the most, most handsome, intelligent, healthy, smart people, that um, Hebrew people that he could find. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, 1 Daniel chapter 1, verse 6 is the verse that I'm going to give my, wife, my, my daughters when it comes to them needing to find a boyfriend or a husband. Better said, uh, a husband. No boyfriends. Let me find it. Oh, Daniel 1, verse 4. Young ladies, here's a verse. Here's how you should pray for a man. And if he doesn't meet these requirements, keep looking. Keep waiting. Look at what it says. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are suited to serve, in, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. So along these um, group of people, Daniel, Ananias, Mishael, and Azariah are taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And one of the things that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do was to restructure their identity, to change their lifestyle, to make them into a new uh, person. And one of the things that he does is that he changes their names. He changes their names from a Hebrew name to a Babylonian name. Daniel's name is changed to Belteshazzar. Um, these are names I can't pronounce, okay? Hananiah is, is, is renamed Sadrach. Mishael becomes Meshach. And Azariah becomes Abednego. One of the things that the king underestimated on these young men was their commitment to God. He underestimated their commitment. And not only did he change their names, but he also changed their diet. He said, now you're not going to eat like you would eat when you were in Jerusalem. Now you're going to eat like we eat here in Babylon. And not only are you going to change your diet, but he erected a statue that he commanded everybody to worship. But these four guys were so committed to God that they didn't allow those changes to change them. And what we learn from them is how to stay committed. And a committed champion does four things. Here's the first one. You can fill it out in your outline. A committed champion identifies with Christ. A committed champion identifies with Christ. Look at what Daniel 1.8 says. But Daniel resolved, in other words, he made a commitment, he made a decision not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I got a question for every single one of you this morning. Who do you identify with? Where's your identity? Where do you draw your value from? Where do you draw your morals from? Where do you draw your convictions from? Because it is not a question if you identify with something or someone, but it is a question of who do you identify with? Today, we live in a culture that is pushing us, forcing us, and almost obligating us to think and live and talk and be like them. 
We, they want us to believe the things they believe. They want us to live the way they live, to speak the way they do. But I want to tell you something. God has called us to something much greater than what this world has to offer. And these young boys were being forced to eat the king's food. And you may be saying, well, what's wrong with eating the king's food? I mean, when I go to Puerto Rico, I eat the food over there. When I go to Mexico, I eat the food that's there. In fact, that's one of the cool things about traveling, right? That you get to taste the, the native food. But, but here's what they knew that, that, that caused them to make this decision. They knew that the food that was being served to them, the meat, had first been offered to the Babylonian gods. And in their commitment, in their conscience, in their conviction, they said, no, no, we're so committed to God, we don't want nothing to do with any other God. See, they wanted to retain their commitment. And, and here's the thing. Um, in our day, even in, in church, we always ask, and I've said this before, but, but I think it's so important that we keep saying it. We always ask, how close to the world can I get without becoming like the world? But the only place we do that is in our faith. Because nobody says, how close to being unattractive can I be without being ugly? No one wants to be at the borderline of unattractiveness and ugliness, right? We all want to be as far on the side of good-looking and beautiful as we can. Nobody says, how broke can I be without being poor? We all say, how, in fact, we all want to be as far down the line of richness as we can. But how come when it comes to our commitment to God, to our uh, uh, identity in God, we always say, okay, how much freedom do I got to be like the place where God took me out of? How much, how much can I still remain um, the person that God took me out of? And these guys, they, they, they understood that, that their identity was important, that their commitment to God was something that had value. Now, I am going to tell you this. To identify with Christ is not going to make you popular. To identify with Christ might cost you your job. Might cost you some friends. Might cost you some invitations. Might cost you to be unfriended by some people in social media. When you identify with Christ, your lifestyle will most likely be criticized and they'll call you holier than thou. And you'll probably be put aside because of your faith. But I want to tell you something. If you resolve in your heart to not defile yourself and to identify with Christ, in due time, God will lift you up. Amen. And I want to tell you, yeah, would you give the Lord a round of applause? <clears throat> If you identify with Christ, regardless of the cost, you will be a champion. And in due time, the Lord will lift you up. Look, look at what Jesus said in one occasion in Matthew 10, 32 to 33, right there in your outline. It says, stand up for me against world opinion. And what is he going to do? I'll stand up for you before my father in heaven. If you turn, tell and run, do you think I'll cover for you? And what many of us do is that when it gets tough, we tell and run. And then we say, God, where were you? 
Why'd you let this happen? And all along, God's been saying, well, I've been trying to get you to stay close to me because I'm wanting to protect you, but you keep wanting to do your own thing. Listen, our identity in Christ is based in our relationship with Christ. If you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, you're going to have a hard time identifying with Christ. We, if we are not connecting with him on a level that is personal, it is going to be easy to forget who you are. If the only time you connect with the Lord is when you come to church, you're going to have a hard time identifying with God throughout the week. The story says that a man went to go visit his psychiatrist one day. And when the doctor came into the room, he asked him, what can I do for you today? What seems to be your problem? This man says, every single time I go to the grocery store, when I pass by the dog food section, something in me tells me that I need to pick up a can of apple, open it, and start chowing down. The doctor says, this is a little bit different from anything that I've dealt with before. How long have you been dealing with this problem? To which the man replies, ever since I was a puppy. And listen, just as that man was confused, many Christians are confused about their identity in God. We are free from sin and addiction. We were bought at a high price. We are redeemed. We are a new creation. We are sons and daughters of the living, all-powerful, all-loving God. We are not who we were. We are not enslaved to our past. We are not still in bondage. We have a new nature. And see, when you don't have a relationship with Christ, you'll forget who you are. And say, I'm broke. I'm a poor Hispanic. I'm, 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 I'm a lady living in the 21st century. No, you're not that first. Before anything else, you are God's son. You are God's loved one. You matter. And when you understand that, it's going to be easier for you to commit. Number two. Committed champions establish solid convictions. Committed champions establish solid convictions. A conviction is a deep belief. And you want to know what your convictions are? You want to know if you really believe something? All you got to do is look at your actions. Your actions manifest what you really believe. If you're a person that says, oh, I believe in eating healthy, but every time you sit down, you have French fries with, with a burger and donuts. You have an opinion, not a belief. Look, these Hebrew men, they were being threatened because King Nebuchadnezzar erected a, a, a statue and he wanted everybody to worship them, to bow down. But these young men refused to do it. And look at how they responded in Daniel 3, verses 16 and 17. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to what? Save us. It's easier to type that on Facebook than to have to do it before the person that can actually throw you into the furnace. He says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your 
majesty. When King Nebuchadnezzar heard this, he became furious. He became really angry. And he says that he became so angry that he gave an order that the oven would be heated seven times higher than it normally was. And it was so hot that the soldier that was in charge of throwing these three young men into, into the furnace ended up dying from the fire. Why? What, what, what would cause such a courage? What would cause somebody to say, even though all of you deny God, I believe that God is the creator of the heavens of the earth. You know what brings courage? Convictions. And convictions are strong beliefs that we have. A few years ago, a truck full of explosives attacked a U.S. Navy camp in the Middle East. When the truck exploded, it killed many soldiers. And despite the camp having the best security system, infrared detectors, and guards at the door, the terrorists were able to penetrate the camp and kill many soldiers. In an interview, they asked the person in, cha in charge, how was it possible for something like this to happen? To which he answered, it is almost impossible to stop someone who is willing to give his life for what he believes. And that is the call that Christ makes for us. That is the feeling that every follower of Jesus Christ, we ought to be willing to give our lives for what we believe. To say Jesus Christ is not just an insurance against hell. It is my, my marching orders. It is, it is what I, what I want to live and be willing to die for. Many people say, oh, I would die for Christ. I find that hard to believe if you're not willing to live for him. And by the way, I think it's easier to die for Christ than it is to live for Christ. Because dying only takes once. But living is a daily thing. And convictions, they give you strength. They give you courage. And they give you the power to stay firm. Without convictions, you're going to flip-flop from circumstance to circumstance. Without convictions, you're going to become a puppet. And I like the song, you're my puppet. <laughs> but you're going to become a puppet of society. Without convictions, you won't reach all that God has for you. Max Lucado wrote in one of his books, I love this. He says, today I will keep my promises. My debtors will not regret their trust. My associates will not question my word. My wife will not question my love. And my children will never fear that their father will not come home. What if we had such deep convictions that, that we could say that every day? The third thing that we learn. Champions commit to serve God confidently. Champions commit to serving God confidently. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 18, we read the verse before that. Look, look at what the men, what these young men said. He said, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. What, con what a confidence these guys say, we know that God can rescue us. But if for some odd reason God chooses not to rescue us, we still won't serve you. But you know what we say? We say, God, if you take me out of this one, I'll serve you. 
And, God, and these guys said, even if you don't, we'll serve you. Even if you don't pay my rent, even if they don't appreciate me, even if I don't get to the school, I'm still going to follow you. See, because they serve God with a confidence. In that con- you know where that confidence in God comes from? From knowing him personally. If you do not trust in God, it's because you don't know God personally. I, I wish I had time. I, I want to share a testimony with you guys, but I, I don't have time. But, but, but listen, when you know God, you will not be afraid of what's uncertain. You know why? Because you know that even if it doesn't happen to your liking, you know that God has something good. And you say, hey, maybe I don't want to live there, but if you take me to live there, I'm going to trust that your goodwill for me is in that place. To achieve something meaningful in life, you're going to need confidence. And there's too many people who hesitate in life. They want to do something meaningful, but they don't take the necessary steps because they don't have confidence and they're living in fear. Your fear cannot be greater than your confidence in God. And if your fear is greater than your confidence, it's because you don't know God. Because the Bible says that perfect love casts out what? Fear. The more you get to know God, the more confidently you'll be able to serve him. Number four, champions. Committed champions focus on God, not circumstances. Committed champions focus on God and not the circumstances. Daniel 3, 24 through 26 says the following. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like the son of the gods Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted Sadrach, Meshach and Abednego servants of the most high God come out come here so Sadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire the the faith of these guys was so strong on God that God came down to be with them and rescue them. They chose not to focus on the circumstances, but to focus on God. And listen, I have bad news for you, okay? Sooner or later, you're going to have difficult circumstances. And it is not because God doesn't love you. It is not because God is not with you. But it is because we live in a fallen, broken world. And when those circumstances come, you are going to have a choice to focus on God or to focus on your difficult circumstances. And here's what you need to remember. What we focus, we become like. We become like what we focus. If you focus on the faults and failures, you're going to become a discouraged person. If you focus on what on what was planned and isn't happening, you're going to become a frustrated person. If you focus on yourself, you're going to become a selfish person. But if you focus on God, you will become a champion because God will come through. God will send his help. God will make a way. Look. Look at what Hebrews 12, 2 says. Keeping our eyes on who? On Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects what? Our faith. 
Where do you have your eyes right now? What has your focus, your bank account or God's glory? Where are your eyes right now? And the results that the doctor is going to give you are on the power of God. Where are your eyes right now? On your need or on the fact that every promise and every good thing God has for us won't always be here on earth, but in eternity. Where are your eyes right now? You see, commitment is an indispensable ingredient of a champion. If you want to achieve your goals, if you want solid marriages, if you want strong families, if you want to be successful in in any area of your life, if you want a strong ministry, if you want God to use you, if you want God to lift you high, you're going to need to be a committed person. And commitment is solidified, it's fortified when we identify with Christ, when we establish solid convictions, when we serve God confidently, and when we focus on God and not circumstances. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.